Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. necessarily what might be out there. So it's not primarily a pull, it's really a push. And the most common ways we see people pushing another person out would be such things as trying to be controlling. I'm going to control what you do. I'm going to control what you think. I'm going to control how you act. I'm going to do all those kinds of things. And, and finally, the other person just gets to where they don't want to live with it anymore. Like, I don't want to be treated as if I'm the child and you're the parent. Now, that could be a major, major push. Now, listen to me again. Every marriage has some degree of pushes in it. But we're talking about something that's strong enough or big enough or consistent enough that at some point it becomes such a major deal to the other person. And so it just builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up until finally it's like, I can't handle this anymore. I can't live with this anymore. I want out. In those cases, we'd say, okay, the primary reason the person wants out of the marriage is because they're being pushed out by the behaviors, actions, attitudes, whatever it might be of the other person that they just can't live with anymore because it's destructive to them. Now, as I said, all marriages have some pushes. And and we only look at this in terms of which was the push that pushed the other person out if it's something that has been considered as major by the person that's leaving or that's gone along long enough that the person can't stand it anymore. So out here you have pulls. Now, pulls have to do with things that become more attractive to me than being with you. And so a pull could be something like I want to live a different lifestyle. I want to go out drinking and carousing and just partying all the time, and I can't do that and be married. And so that lifestyle is pulling me out there. It also can be another person, obviously, that I have developed a relationship with somebody else, and it has become intense enough, strong enough that I want to be with him or her more than I want to be with you. And, of course, then that's pulling that person out of the relationship. Believe it or not, it can even be a change in just pure beliefs, like religious beliefs. Like I got involved with this particular religious group that the rest of us might, for example, describe as some kind of a cult, but that this person now gets involved in that. And then these people are telling me that I should not live with you anymore because of the fact that you don't adhere to the new beliefs that I have found. And I've actually seen that happen. I've actually witnessed it where I'm thinking of a particular wife right now where she wanted out because she became part of a religious group that actually said, you can't live with him anymore because he doesn't believe and think like we do. Therefore, he is a heathen of some kind and he's going to corrupt your children. He possibly might even corrupt you. And so you need to divorce him so you can be with us and be right. And she became so convinced of that philosophy of that way of thinking that she left a man, divorced a man who loved her dearly and who wanted to be with her for the rest of his life and was a good husband. Not perfect because they don't exist, but that new concept, that idea that was brainwashed into her actually became the pull that pulled her out. So back to the story I was telling. So I asked the woman, let's talk about pushes. What kind of pushes exist in your marriage? Have you been doing things, saying things, you've had certain attitudes, whatever it might be, that have led him to want to be away from you? And we examined those. Now, as I said, there are always some of those. And upon examination of that, I couldn't see that any of those were, were that big. They were things like, you know, would irritate you, but would not probably explain why he wanted out. So I said, now we have to look at the pulls. What is there out there that's pulling him away from you? 
And in this case, it turned out to be a woman that he was working with. She's married as well. But that's not stopping them as they get closer and closer and closer to each other. But because now the thing, the person that is most important to him has transferred from his wife to this other person, then his beliefs and systems begin to change. And I can explain that in better ways otherwise in, in, if we get more into the subject about what do you mean their beliefs and values change. Your beliefs and values, I'll say that at this point, your beliefs and values are part of your identity. They are extremely important as to who you see yourself as being and who in actuality that you are. And if your beliefs and values change, you will become a different person. And so what he's telling her now actually indicates that his beliefs and values have changed dramatically. Well, why? In this particular case, it's because I have to change my beliefs and values if I can be with this other woman, which is what I really want to do. Now, he's vacillating to some degree. It's not a complete and total change at this point in the way he believes and the things that he values. But And so he's switching back and forth just a little bit, but it's becoming stronger and stronger that those are changing because he's pulled away. Now, if you heard the principle that I'm talking about, it becomes applicable to a lot of situations. And if your husband or your spouse wants to be out of the relationship with you, one thing that you ask yourself about is, am I doing strong enough pushes that have really pushed him or her away from me and they just want to be away from me? Or or is it that something out there is pulling, even though I don't really understand what that is, or maybe you do, but is that what is really going on here? Now, in part of fixing it, if you want to try to attract your spouse back to you, try to put the relationship back together, if that's what you choose to do, then even the most minor pushes that you can recognize, understand that you have been doing, even though they weren't the big ones that caused all this to happen, whatever pushes you have been doing, you start correcting as best you can, as rapidly as you can, because that's better for you anyway. So if, God forbid, this relationship doesn't make it, doesn't get back together, you don't find a way to put it back together and have a good marriage in the future, we hope that you do, and and we exist to help people do that. But that if it doesn't do that, by removing, by analyzing, identifying, and then changing whatever push behavior that you do that would push another person away from you, you fix that. So that if spouse comes back, and we'll show you ways about how to make that happen, help that happen, not make that happen, help that happen, that if spouse comes back, then those pushes have been modified quite a bit. As a matter of fact, maybe even totally eliminated. And if, as I just said, he or she doesn't come back and you eventually establish a relationship with someone else, those pushes aren't going to be there. Now, no marriage will ever become totally pushless. Nobody becomes perfect at this. But when we talk about becoming the best you that can, you that you can be, we mean amplifying the things about you that are good, like taking care of yourself physically and intellectually and emotionally and spiritually, and then identifying and eliminating as much as all possible, and if possible, uh, any things that's negative about you. And in other words, a push that you've been doing, either physically, intellectually, emotionally, or spiritually. Now, that's all for free. We're going to see now if we can actually get to one of these callers, <laughs> okay, and see if indeed I can hear them. Let me see if I can make this equipment work right now, and we'll go to the first one, and this is Bob, who is in Washington. Bob, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Thank you, Dr. Joe. Okay. How may I help you today, my friend? Um, I've been married for 41 years, and... Uh, porn has been in, involved in it before I even got into the marriage, and apparently it just kind of spewed out during the years. And 
And then all of a sudden she decided to um, file for divorce and she kind of just left out of the blue on March 15th. And, but she's been acting awfully strange because my sister, um, I have an older sister that's been helping me out kind of deal with it um, because she's noticing some of the things that my wife is doing during this process that are not Mm -hmm. her. And I'm now, let me, I need to understand a couple of things, Bob. Hey, Bob, I'm, I'm yeah. not catching everything that you're saying. Okay, what did you say happened before you got married? I, I couldn't understand that. Yeah, um, we got, we've been married for 41 years. Right, but you said something occurred before the marriage. What did you say about that? Yeah, porn got involved in the – because I, my dad brought it into the uh, family, basically, when I was growing up. Okay, so you were using porn, right? Yeah, and so okay. and, it kind of got. How many? How many? Bob, if I can ask a question, please, for a minute. How long have you been involved in the porn? Um, probably since I was in high school. Okay, and are on. you still? Are you still doing that? No. no okay, and when did that? When did that stop? Mm-hmm. That stopped stop? probably December. Okay. All right. Last so December. So the 41 years of your marriage, you went off and on were using porn, correct? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to understand that. Okay. And then your wife has left you. Is that what you said? Yes. She filed for divorce on the 15th or actually it was on the 6th. Okay. And what reason did she give for wanting to divorce you? Um, that she's, well, she, in fact, she left me a note. She brought. She came back to the house when I wasn't here, and mm-hmm. she said that she was done. She's drawn, mm-hmm. drawn the line, and that she was tired of dealing with um, also a little bit of anger, also which I didn't think was anger. I thought mm-hmm. it was frustration. Okay, and so what else was she tired of dealing with? The anger and what That's else? That's it. Well, she was fearing because I had guns in the house, but I've had guns in the house since I was. Uh, little. I mean, we for, okay. for the whole forty-one years, I've had uh, guns in the house because I love to hunt. Okay, I understand that. And now, when you said that, uh, did she? You mentioned you brought up porn for some reason. Did she mention the porn in any shape, fashion, or form, or has she been talking about the fact of the porn in any shape, fashion, or form as part of this? Yeah, um, she did. Back in uh, December, she said that. She got into my uh, phone and found some things on YouTube and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Because our, our intimacy has not been there, and I've noticed that she hasn't been showing her uh, affection. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of drawn me to that because I feel like I don't need porn now because she's not here. So in the 41 years of your marriage, was she aware of the fact that for those 41 years you have off and on been using porn? Yes. Okay. And how did she react whenever she would know that you were? She would catch me on it, and I said, I'm working on it, which I had because I had put a mm-hmm. blocker on my phone. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't. she didn't give me a chance to um, explain myself. Uh, because she, that happened in December. Then in March, okay. that period of time, she didn't say anything. And then okay. she left. Okay. But are you saying that in your 
as far as you understand, that is a factor. Is that correct? That and anger, which um, I do have a problem. I've been uh, doing things to cooperate with that, with exercising and everything. Okay. And have you gone to any kind of, uh, like, group, like anger management group or seen a therapist or counselor for the anger? Have you done any of those things? Did that help? In fact, I'm in in the marriage uh, helper.com. And then plus Mm -hmm. I'm in uh, Pure Desires uh, through my church Mm -hmm. that I go to every Monday night. I'm doing Mm -hmm. everything I possibly can. Good. I'm glad. What kind of anger help are you getting? Um, Basically, it's uh, off of audible.com. I'm listening to a uh, professor talk about dealing with anger. Okay, but you had not been part of an anger management group or an actual no. anger management therapy. Okay, just want to make sure. No. Now, when and, and which yeah. sister is it? Your sister or her sister that's been talking to you? My sister. No, it's my sister uh, that um, has been helping me out, trying to cope with everything because there she's just in shock because it's mm-hmm. not her type of person that would do something like this. Because mm-hmm. in seeing that she wants the house and things like that, but I said I won't give her the house because it's underneath the VA loan, and if she would have to refinance if she did. But we just got through um, putting in a twenty-seven thousand uh, dollar bathroom renovation, and mm-hmm. I built, bought, built it just for her, and okay. I just want it to be that way. Otherwise, I'll sell the house. Okay, so you guys are in. Uh if not in litigation, at least pre-litigation about what would happen when the divorce occurs. So yeah. how may I help you, Bob? What's your specific question that I can help you with, my friend? Well, um, with her being changing her, I mean, the way she's changed, mm-hmm. is it, I mean, it's alarming to me. Um, mm-hmm. Is it still worth, um, still worth fighting it basically and just going through to just feel better myself and, try to just play it through to see if I can reason with her? You know, reasoning would not be the first thing to think of here. Here's the question. Of, do you still, um, do you still love this woman? Oh yeah. And she you was really a caregiver. Her... Okay. And you really want her back in your life? Oh yeah. Mega. You see, that's what the real question would be, Bob. It's like, okay, if I'm, should I still stand? Should I still try to put this thing back together? If you still love this woman and you still would love to have the rest of your life with her, then it's worth giving it a shot if that's important to you. You say, I can't tell you yeah. what's the best thing to do for you. You have to do it for yourself. Now, when right. you go had that long and a person has that kind of image of you, she's got some kind of a set image in her mind. This is Bob and Bob is never going to change. That's, that's typically how people think that do what she's doing. And the only way you can actually change that, my friend, is you can't reason it out of her because of the fact that she has 41 years of, of watching, of, you know, being part of, being experienced in, and all those kinds of things. And so for you to sit down now and go, well, let me tell you how all that's changed and how it's going to be different in the future and try to deal with it. You're using logic to deal with emotions. And logic typically fails against emotions. So reasoning with her is probably not the path forward. That's why we recommend that you do things like work on you and become the best you you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. And by becoming the best person that you can 
possibly be what you hope occurs is that she will see that. Now, she may not see it immediately. It may take a period of time. But if indeed she does see that, then it's beginning to be like, you know, Bob really is becoming a better person than he was. Bob really is doing these kinds of things. Because if you say, well, look, now I'm, I'm in this marriage helper group. I am in this uh, purity group, whatever you called it. I forget the name. I'm in this. I'm reading, I'm re- right. And I'm reading things about uh, and listening to audibles about anger. In all likelihood, what she does is she looks at that and goes, well, that's nice, but it's too late. And I don't know if it's actually going to make any difference or not. So rather than trying to convince her that it will, what you do is you demonstrate it with whatever ways that you possibly can. So, for example, do you have kids? Um, yeah, 38-year-old. Uh, he's moved, part, that was part of the issue because oh. um, he, she would baby him and I would be upset because of that and mm-hmm. but he's moving down to texas and um in july so but she hasn't even contacted him until uh, a birthday card this you know which was on okay. mother's day okay well since he's moving down to texas and already is he's a point of contention between the two of you let's just leave him out of this for the time being the best thing okay. you can do bob is this you, you consistently be the best person you can. Now, you're in the Marriage Helper course, the online course. And so I recommend yep. that you follow those things, those principles, really work on yourself, you know, in all of the paths, the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. And don't try to demonstrate it to her in the sense of getting in front of her um, when she doesn't even want you there and saying, look how I've changed, look how I've changed. That's not the way you do it. It, has, it can't be something that's showy. It's a demonstration that occurs subtly so that in whatever interactions you do have. So, for example, if she's saying, I want the house, rather than saying, well, let's think of this logically. It's a VA loan. You'd have to refinance. We just spent $27,000 on the bathroom. All that's logic. Instead of doing that, you go, you know, I can understand, you know, that house is part of uh, your life, and I can understand you getting it. We, uh, we have some things that we'd have to figure out that might not make it as attractive, but, but I certainly get why you would want that. Now, I'm not saying right now I'm willing to do that. But I'm really trying to understand, and I can see why you want it, and I need to put that in my mind and think about it for a while. What I call that mob is getting up from your side of the table and walking around and sitting on our side of the table. So that rather than it being antagonistic, like you're there and I'm here, it becomes like two people together trying to resolve a problem. And if you can do it that way, then not instantly, but over time, she's going to start thinking, that's not like the old mob. The old Bob would have been trying to mm. talk me out of this. The old Bob would try to argue me down until I finally gave in. But Bob now is actually listening to me and trying to understand me. And so if you practice those on her side of the table, then you've got a shot at this because you've got 41 years of history. I'm glad. I'm glad that you're getting the help that you need, my friend. And I suggest you stay strongly with that. If she ever says another word about your anger, I would suggest your decision. I would suggest that you find some kind of a group, and there'll be one somewhere nearby. Find a group that that is an anger management group, and and they can help you do things that you will not gain just by listening to some professor on Audible. So, my friend, okay. it's, it's your decision as to whether you want to stand or not. From my viewpoint, just seeing what you say, it sounds like it is, but Bob, it's not going to be an easy road because you're fighting 41 no. years of behavior 
that I'm sure yep. not all 41 was bad. A lot of good in the 41. But right now, oh, yeah. she's thinking, but right now she's thinking about the bad. And so you demonstrate the good slowly, subtly, not trying to push it on her, not trying to convince her about argument. You just keep doing it. And you've got a shot, my friend, at putting this thing back together. If, if you want to stand and try to put it back together. Okay. Yes. So right, I have a question. Mm-hmm. How long? Well, you had to, uh, pretty long, fast, Bob. I've got to move on. Okay. How long? Uh, how, long what? how long do you think a no contact from her would last normally? The fact that she's not contacting you at all? Yes. Bobby, it's so much varies with every individual. There's no way to answer that. You're going to have some contact because she wants the house. You're going to have some contact because you have a child together. And so I recommend, my friend, that you be as patient as you can until she can initiate contact, if you can. I'm sorry to run, my friend, but we've got 40-something. Well, we usually have 40-something callers out there. Not quite that many today so far. But but I've got to get some of these. Bob, all right, my friend, take care. I apologize for all those out there who have been tried to contact us and had trouble earlier. If you want to go back to blog talk, you can call us now at 657-383-0812. That's 657-383-0812. And when you hear that, that answer, then if you want to get under the queue to talk to us, you press the number one. That's the way you get to our call screener. And then that's the way you finally get on the air with me. And so I recommend, if you will, that you do that if indeed you want to be on this program and ask some questions. And I apologize. I'm trying to move so rapidly. It's just we have so many people trying to ask us questions here that uh, I need to get to as many as I can, if at all possible. And so now we're going to go over to... uh, it looks like maybe is this Canada? Is that what it says on here? Nicole, are you in Canada? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Which are you in Canada or am I reading my notes wrong here? Yes, sir, I am in Canada. Okay. How may I help you, Nicole? Um, I'm uh, sorry. That's okay. My uh my husband and I've been together for ten years. Mm-hmm. Uh, married for six and we have a four year old daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, about four months ago, he told me that he can't live this way anymore, that he tried everything he could to make me happy, but that nothing worked. So he needed to focus on himself, excuse me, himself mm-hmm. and uh, what makes him happy. Um, first, he slept in the guest room for a couple of months, and now he's staying with a friend. Um I have 100% confidence that we can make our relationship work, but he just says he Mm -hmm. just doesn't want to. Um, Mm -hmm. I've gone from kind of panic mode to Mm -hmm. having a kind of calm confidence and trying to understand what I can do moving forward back Mm -hmm. to panic. So I'm having a really difficult time getting past the strong emotions to get to a point where I can do the things I need, that I need to do. I'm so, so sorry for your pain, Nicole. I I know this hurts. When you lose someone that you love, even the potential loss like you're uh, facing right now, it hurts. It just digs into you and it hurts. And, and, and I have had that pain and and I'm so, so sorry that you're feeling that pain. If I may ask a couple of questions, Nicole, when he says, um, when he says, I can't live like this anymore, I can't make you happy, what's he talking about? What's he referring to? We, I have a lot of 
issues from my childhood that I don't think I have ever managed. Um, I have a lot of anger, not that I necessarily always took it out on him, but Mm -hmm. I'm very controlling. Um, I can be manipulative and he Mm -hmm. just felt as though he could never make me happy, Mm -hmm. which I, I feel like he, he can and, and he could. I just, I know that I didn't communicate that in a way to him that made him feel loved himself. So if I'm understanding, you would do things like I need this or I want this, and then he would do it to the best of his ability, and then you would let him know that that wasn't enough or that wasn't what you wanted. That kind of pattern, is that what you're saying? Or my reaction to it uh, made him feel that way, yes. Yeah. So even if you didn't say it or you acted, the message to him was, I'm trying to do everything I think you want or need, and I'm making no progress at all. And yes. can you understand how he would feel that way? Absolutely. Okay. So you're you're facing your own things here. The the things from childhood. If I may ask Nicole, how old are you? Sure. I'm thirty one. Okay, so you're still relatively young. And the stuff that happened to you in childhood, early childhood, teenage or all of that? Um about adolescence, my parents split, my dad left and my mom was an alcoholic. Oh, and you lived with mom, the alcoholic? Yes. Okay. Nicole, it's not unusual for children of alcoholics to be controlling people. And one of the reasons for that, one of the reasons for that is because of the fact that you felt out of control and that you couldn't stop what was happening there. And also part of that is because you probably had to learn some control just to live with an alcoholic. Sometimes trying to control her behavior, trying to keep her from drinking, but at least control your life as best you can because life is chaotic with an alcoholic. In other words, you know why you learned this behavior, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Have you ever seen a really good therapist or counselor for that, just the issues out of your childhood? Not about your marriage, but about Uh, your nature? No, I haven't. I haven't. I've only ever gone to, to try and repair that. They're trying to repair the marriage? Yes, sir. Sorry. Okay. Here's a suggestion for you, my friend, because I hurt for you and I hurt with you, okay? Right now, don't concentrate on fixing the marriage because there's an issue that's got to be dealt with first. And that issue that has to be dealt with first is is your inner hurt, the pain that you deal with. Because even if you get your husband to come back and you don't deal with that underlying issue, it's just a matter of time until you, you replicate what you did before. And if he right. leaves a second and if he leaves a second time, the the likelihood of putting it back together diminishes dramatically. You can see that, right? Yep. Yeah. So so Nicole, I I don't I know that you guys have nationalized health care and things like that. Does that include counseling and therapy? I mean or I guess no, what I'm trying to ask in a very okay. Do you have the resources to be able to get that kind of help? Yeah. Okay, good. Then I strongly suggest, but don't just pick a counselor or therapist out of the phone book I, as if people had phone books anymore. What you do is uh, <laughs> ask around, try to find some people. Do you have a physician? Yes. Okay, if you have a regular physician that you know and trust, you might want to ask him or her, is there somebody that you know of that that is really able to help me with this? And as I always recommend, if you do decide to do something with a counselor or therapist, ask for a five-minute phone interview before you ever go. The good therapists and counselors will do that. 
and say in those five minutes, I just uh, don't don't take the whole five minutes talking. Take about a minute to talk and say, I'm dealing with some issues from my childhood. Dad left. Mom an alcoholic. I've been very controlling and dominating my marriage. I keep, my husband wants out because he says I can't make him happy. See, that took 30 seconds. Then you say to the counselor or therapist, how much experience do you have helping a person deal with this? I'm not asking for help with my marriage. I'm asking for help with yeah. me dealing with these issues. And if he or she says, oh, I have a lot of, say, can you clarify what that means? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. in other words, you need to kind of pin them down. Do they really know how to deal with this or not? And have they had some great experiences in helping people with this or not? If they say something like, oh, yeah, I've, I've worked with at least 25 different people in that situation, and uh, it's turned out well for most of them, and I think I can help you with that, then that's good. If they say, oh, I know all about that. I have 100% success with everything I do. Hang up the phone. <laughs> Call somebody else. <laughs> In other words, listen for somebody who's rational. And if indeed, Nicole, if indeed you can get this under control for you, then that's when we can look at having a shot of being able to put this marriage back together. Because until until you really find some healing from that pain, no matter how much you love this guy, and I'm sure you do, no matter how much you love this guy, you'll wind up doing the same things again without meaning to. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Yes, so that's now. Are you in any of our courses, for example, like our online course or anything like that? No, unfortunately, that's not something that we can afford right now. Okay, but you're sure you can afford a therapist, right? I yes, I have um, coverage through my employer. Okay, excellent. Here's what I want for you to do. Have you ever talked to any of our client representatives here, Nicole? No, not currently. Okay. Um, once you once you have dealt long enough with a counselor or therapist that you feel like you that the therapist is saying you've got some really good progress, then call mm-hmm. here and talk to one of our one of our uh, our client representatives. We have men and women client representatives, and talk to them. If at that point you still can't afford it, say I'm I'm the lady from Canada that talked to Doctor Beam. Would you talk to him about this? And I will okay. work with your client representative to make sure you can't afford it. How about that? Okay. Yes, that works. I can make Thank that happen. You. All right. Well, Thank first, do the, the first step. Get some healing first, and then call yes. us, and we'll do everything we can to help you, okay? Okay. All right, Nicole. I'm so sorry. Right. For Thank you very you. much. There's hope here, Nicole. There is hope, okay? Thank, Thank All you. All right. You take care. Okay. Uh, you too. The same. Thank you. Thank you. My, uh, my heart breaks every time we do these programs. Why do I keep doing these programs? <laughs> It's just so painful. It's just it just hurts to hear the pain out there. But at the same time, the reason we keep doing this is because there's hope. You know, we give up hope when either one of two things happens. If if one of you married somebody else, then we back out of it all together because now there's another marriage out there. Or if if one person dies, God forbid, then obviously there's nothing to be done from there. And we do have resources we can refer you to if you need to deal with the pain you feel after your spouse marries somebody else or after your spouse dies. It's not a program we do specifically here. It's another nonprofit with whom we're very closely interrelated. And, and if ever you need to have help with that, like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm having now to deal with my grief from my sense of loss. It's over. It's done. The loss is killing me. You call and we'll be glad to refer you to that other group. Now, or I'll, or I'll just give it to you now if you want to write it down. It's called spark of life 
spark.org. So S-P-A-R-K, spark of, O-F, life, L-I-F-E. And it's typed just one big long word, sparkoflife.org. And when you call, you mentioned that you got the recommendation from Dr. Beam, and they'll know exactly what that means. And, and I think you will find it amazing as to what they can do to help you deal with the loss. Now, as long as you're still fighting for the marriage, still trying to get some place, I mean, we want to help you. We're the ones for that. But if the other person finally does marry somebody else, and I hope that doesn't happen, or if, if indeed, you know, death intervenes, which sometimes occurs, then that's the group that you want to go to. When you have the definite loss, it's over, it's done, then these people are amazing at helping you with that. Uh, they operate on a little different model than we do because they're much smaller than we are and have some very big donors. <clears throat> I think you'll really like what you find out if you call them about uh, what you can get into and what gets you involved there. Okay, now we're going to go over to uh, Indiana, and we're going to talk to Mark in Indiana. Hi, Mark. Can you hear me? Oh, hi. Yes, yeah, I can hear you, Dr. Bean. Okay, how may I help you today, Mark? Yeah, yeah. So uh, my question is, Dr. Bean. So, so uh, my wife and I, uh, we've we've obviously been having some issues. Uh, mm-hmm. Found out about a year ago that uh, she was deep into a, in an affair. Uh, the mm-hmm. affair has probably been going on for about eighteen months total. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, we live in Indiana. Her affair partner lives in Colorado. But they spend as much time as they can once or twice a month visiting each other. Either she goes there or he comes here. We're still living together right now. Uh, We have two boys, ages six and seven. Uh, Mm -hmm. Right now, she's convinced herself that if she really wanted to reconcile, she would would be feeling it and would be trying harder, would be willing to cut off her relationship. As of right now, she's not willing to do that. Uh, she has filed for divorce. Uh, she did that back in January, but mm-hmm. everything's kind of on hold right now. She's not taking it forward or done anything like that. Uh, she actually, the, uh, the Lemmered object, he's, he's coming to Indiana here to visit her later this week. They'll be staying in a hotel with her for about five days. One of the things, so, so I asked her today, what, let her know I was having a lot of anxiety. What does she really want mm-hmm. to do? She mm-hmm. came back with that. She would, she 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 would leave it up to me to decide whether we should split up or stay together. I asked her what she really wanted. Very nice. It was actually over text message. She came mm-hmm. back and stated to me that she preferred not to split up, but she needs this time. Uh, she did admit that she recognizes that this this a relationship is what, or him coming to town is making her very excited, but she realizes it's a fix just like it was alcohol or chocolate or whatever else it may be, and that she knows that it's not true love, but she still can't stop herself. So one thing hmm. I was thinking about, uh, it, the question comes down to, if, you know, the idea of criteria. Uh, mm-hmm. So so if I set a criteria, you know, one of the things I would find acceptable now is if she'd be willing to try coaching again. We did three coaching calls back late last year, early this year, and she wasn't finding any value in it. I think it was – my opinion is, my guess anyway, is that because she was in you know, deep, still uh, you know, uh, right. phase two of limerence, uh, right. just nothing sinking in. You know, like we came to the workshop last September, uh, nothing really sank in. Uh, it's more of mm. that stuff doesn't apply to me. I'm really in love. This is, this is my, my true, true way forward. My other question with that is that, this is not her first affair. She's admitted that she's had two other affairs. So I'm, I'm thinking as she talks about this is her fix, I, I, I really think she's 
she's really bouncing from a fair partner to a fair partner to keep the limerence going. So, so with that, my idea of at least saying we need – obviously, we need some professional help. Uh, I would yeah. like to get back in some coaching, and, and would it be a smart move for me to request that that become a criteria if we're going to, you know, stay – you know, even try to stay together? Okay. Well, uh, thank you for being very succinct and laying all that out there. I appreciate that. It helps. I'm, I'm so sure. sorry, first of all, as you guys are going through this. If I may ask, how, if, if you don't mind telling me, how old is your wife? Uh, she just turned 40 last year. Okay. And you guys have been married how many years? Uh, we've been married for nine years. Okay. And in those nine years, you're saying this is the third affair? Is that what I heard you say? Yes. Yes. Okay. See, you you may be very right about this. There's uh, a phrase that I use. As a matter of fact, I'm writing a book on this. And at the pace I'm writing now, it'll be ready about five years after I die. But I'm writing this book right now. <laughs> And it's uh, it's about limerence. I'll always say I have a different title to it. It's about limerence. And, and part of what the research out there says, and there's significant research on this, is that limerence ends in one of three ways. The first is they wind up getting together, and the fear finally subsides. And, and so, therefore, the limerence begins to fade because what was feeding it, it de-intensifies. An, another way is if the limerent object, the LO, and you know something about that because I heard you call it the LO, the limerent object. And for those that are listening who are not well, uh, familiar with that, that means the, uh, the, the person that the limerent is madly in love with, quote, end quote. I'm sorry, by the way, that it, uh, at the workshop, your wife got the message that we were saying that limerence is not love. Limerence is a kind of love. It's actually measurable, and we can actually identify it. And, and when people in limerence say, you say I'm not in love, they get mad. But actually, it is a kind of love. But it's a short life love. What I mean is the shelf life on it just isn't that long. Um, the research indicates somewhere between three months and 48 months, and, and the vast majority of them are done by 24 months. Now, so if she heard us say that's not love, if, if even if we didn't say that, if that's what she heard, then I, I can understand why she said, oh, you guys don't understand. This is not limerence then because I'm in love. Okay, so we admit, yeah, it is a kind of love. It's a very intense, strong, powerful emotion. Now, the second way, I, I don't know if I finished that or not, the second way is if the other person just finally stops reciprocating. In other words, they just finally pull out of it. They go away. In the short term, that actually intensifies the limerent feelings. So if I'm in sure. limerent love, if I'm in limerent love with Sally Sue and Sally Sue pulls away from me and starts ending it, mine actually exacerbates and increases for a period of time. But then when finally it becomes evident that he or she's never coming back, unless I devolve into becoming a true stalker, and that's kind of rare. But if I, unless I devolve into becoming a true stalker, eventually my limerence fades as well. Now, the third is what you're describing. It's if I'm hearing you correctly, you're describing the third. And the third is that the person every so often goes into a new relationship to experience those emotions all over again. And when it finally gets into that phase three where it goes, you know, diminishes and it's not powerful and strong anymore, then it's just a matter of time until somebody comes along they can hook onto again. And then they go through, go through that whole process all over. Now, those people I refer to, and, and will in the book, refer to those people as limerent addicts. And that's what I hear you saying that you believe that your wife is. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, that is correct. Okay. Is she willing to get help for that specific kind of addiction? 
Yeah, as of right now, uh, she she's willing to read books about it. You know, so so we've and I, I've actually went down the path of reading quite a bit about love addiction here. I've gotten her to mm-hmm. read a few books about it. You know, we watched some videos. At first, she was very resistant to it. She started to come around to recognizing many of the different traits uh, that, that that are out there. Uh, you know, from some of the books we've read, that she does have mm-hmm. those. But but I think she she's scared to ask for any kind of help. You know, I I've made some at least suggestions. I've you know pointed her towards we have a celebrate recovery you know right here in our town. Uh, mm-hmm. I've also found even some some you know centers out there that are operating addiction type clinics operating for help mm-hmm. with love addiction and for an inpatient uh, or even try counseling with it. You know, she has a therapist, a local therapist, and it, it's it's a little frustrating. It, it, it goes along the lines of much of what you've talked about in the past. Her therapist's goal seems to be to make Dana happy. Uh, to, you know, it, it, if she could make her, it, it, if she would just, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> lost my train of thought there. The idea that she should go be happy, and if staying with me is not making her happy, she needs to go find what's going to make her happy. Um, yeah. And, and and I would guess the therapist is probably only getting part of the story as well. So. It could it could be, but it just could be that's the way the therapists yeah. have been trained. Unfortunately, a lot of them are trained that way. Yeah. And, and if and if that's what she's saying to her, just you know, go do what makes you happy. Then this therapist certainly has no comprehension of the fact that she's going to cycle and cycle and cycle and cycle again, because the worst thing you can say yeah. to a person who's going to cycle then cycle is to go do what makes you happy because you've just encouraged more addictive cycles. And so either a, your therapist is not getting all the truth or her therapist is not getting all the truth or B her therapist has no training in limerence. I'm often called on to train counseling groups, therapist groups about limerence. They've never heard of it. Even though the research out there is sure. ample, they have never heard of it. Or third, she just doesn't understand the addictive process. Now I'm not trying to put her, her therapist down. I don't know her therapist. Plus, I'm assuming that whatever you know about her therapist comes from what your wife tells you, okay, which not yes. might not always be the truth. We can, if she's willing to see somebody about this, there's a therapist that we can refer to who works with people over the phone who is actually a you know, full-fledged therapist who does this. Or um, I'm not, I've not dealt a lot. As a matter of fact, I don't know if I've ever dealt any with a therapist or a group of therapists that have been trained in and work with love addiction, and therefore I don't know much about them. Love addiction and limerence addiction are similar, um, but, but based on what I'm reading, I don't think they're exactly the same thing. But they may be similar enough that if there's a group in town who really is good at that, here's what I would do if it were I. I'd call them and say, tell me what you understand love addiction to be. Tell me how you help people get past it. And tell me if in that process you help people stay in the relationship they're in or if one of your methods, methodologies of working with this is that you say, well, why don't you go ahead and end this relationship if you want to and we'll help you do the next. I would do an interview like that. I want to find out how do they do this. If if they say, yeah, we have a great experience, here's how we do it, and we show them that if they're going to beat this, they need to figure out how to stay in the relationship they're in now then I'd kind of feel good toward them. If they say, well, we're not really worried about what relationship they're in now because it may be a bad relationship because maybe it's a love addiction. So we'll just help them be free and start over. Then I would, I would not ever tell your wife I called them. <laughs> it's like, uh, I'm not saying lie to her, deceive her. It's just like, why would you send them to somebody? Well, I don't need to go any further with that. You understand what I'm saying there. So sure, either yeah, I get it. while she's in this situation where she might accept some criteria, 
my recommendation, and you do what you think is best, my friend, but my recommendation, Mark, is that get her to the right kind of help while she's now being open to it. Because if she continues to do what she's doing without any kind of help, but still living in the house with you, then after a while, you become a facilitator and, a, and you aid in a bet. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. Okay. But and, if, and that, that's what I'm concerned. I became that today. So yeah, <laughs> I've become that now. And, and if you did it, you've done it because you love. Okay. Yeah. And, but it's time to stop that, in my opinion. Now, you, you still make your own decisions. You do what you think is best. But if, indeed, you can get her to the right kind of people who can help her deal with this addictive process of having to go through this again and again and again, because, you know, I am a recovering alcoholic. I'm an addict. And, and if I thought there was something out there I could do, go do for five days and that you would let me do, and in those five days I'm going to get one of my fixes, and then I'll come back and have a little stability for a while, I'm an addict. I jump all over that because that's what addicts do. Now, because I'm a recovering addict, I've got good enough help that I personally wouldn't do that. What I'm trying to say is I understand why she would do that from my addictive background. So, my friend, sure. if, if you're ever going to do it, it sounds to me like this might be the best time. Okay. Find the right yeah, people. Thanks, if, you, if you can't find the right people there, call us so we can tell you about this therapist that will work over the phone with things like that. Okay? Sure. Okay. All right, Mark. You take care, my friend. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, you're, you're very welcome. welcome. Right, fine. Okay. Uh, my producer keeps pointing at the clock, letting me know I'm going way too long with all of these calls <laughs> because we have so many people out there waiting. And so apologize to all those waiting if I'm taking too long. But my guess is if you were the one on the phone, you'd want me to be as thorough as I could with you. I'm trying to figure out how to blend those two. I'm really trying to figure out how to blend those two. And so we're going to go to uh, Grace in Georgia. Uh, hi, Grace, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, Grace. How Hello. may I help you today, my friend? Uh, can you hear me now? Oh, I can hear you now. Thank you. Okay. Uh, How may I help you? Uh, I'm call- well, I'm calling because uh, I'm in a situation. My husband uh, is in an affair, and it was long distance. Um, I found out about a month ago, and but since did, January. Did you, did, you say, did you say a month or eight months ago? Eight months. Ago. Eight months. Okay. He, sorry. I'm sorry. He's been in this affair for um, uh, about 22 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how do you know that? About 22 months. And how do you know it's No, how do you know it's been 22 months? Okay. All right. He told me. Yeah, when I found out it was 14 months ago, I mean, it's I been you. going on for 14 months. Um, right. But it was long distance. Uh, they would meet um, uh, away from our house. Uh, he would pretend he would go on these conferences. Uh, but anyway, so I found out. And, and since then, she's moved to uh, Atlanta um, in January. And, um, and we actually did go to your workshop. Um, mm-hmm. That was before she moved here. It was actually, uh, we were getting closer before she moved here. But when she got here, it all changed. I felt that he moved into um, stage two of limerence pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were sleeping in separate rooms. And when she moved here, my question is, when she moved here, uh, one of the things I asked him was um, not to introduce our kids to a fair right. partner who right. is still married. She has two children of her own. And her husband does not know about the affair. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, so, and he agreed that, that he wouldn't introduce our kids to her. But um, last week I got an email saying that um, he would like to attend this uh, picnic with our kids, um, but no, uh, did not extend the invitation to me. And this picnic is put on by his uh, work, and she works in the same organization. So I, I could, I mean, I could pretty much put it to do a one and one together. So I mm-hmm. just figured that she's going to be there with her kids, and he wants to bring mm-hmm. our kids to meet her and play with mm-hmm. her kids. And I'm not really sure how to respond because we usually do all our kids' acti- activities together. So mm-hmm. um, um, I, I mean, I don't want to push, um, but it, but I also don't feel that it's appropriate or healthy for my kids to meet her. Um, if I may ask, of, how, how old are your kids, Grace? Oh, my kids are three and seven. Okay. And um, you say that typically if you have to do something with the kids, the two of you do it this together. Are you still living together? Yes, we're living together. Um, he's okay. in a different even, room. Uh, okay, but even mm-hmm. though we're living together, this was done by an email rather than a face-to-face conversation, even though you live in the same house. Correct. Yeah, he always asks me these tough questions over email or text message. Okay, and do you respond by email or text message? Um, I do if, if it, you know, typically I do. Sometimes I wait until, like, we see each other later. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, just however I, I feel I could do the best response, I suppose. I get that. I understand that. I'll make a suggestion. Obviously, it's your decision. You, do you do what you think is best, and you do you have to. And you sound like a very intelligent person to me. But I would recommend okay. that you consider that even if he sends an email or a text or even a telegram, whatever it might be, that, that you not respond. Now, this is a suggestion. I mean, I'm just giving you my ideas. You have to decide on your own. And and what you do is when you next start together, like you say, you're living in the same house. So you, when he comes home from work, for example, you can say, uh, I got your uh, email today. Happy to talk to you about it. When would you like to talk? This is kind of a way of training him. And that, that sounds like a terrible thing, but in my mind, it's not. It's kind of a way of training him that if we're going to have these conversations, we're going to have them face to face. I mean, one thing we have learned conclusively since the introduction of social media email, text, Facebook, everything else, is that people are a lot bolder when they're not face-to-face with you. When they're face-to-face, you know, it gets more of a real conversation. Plus, if you're not communicating face-to-face, so much of communication is lost. I mean, even if it were on the phone, you better communication than by writing because writing can be interpreted so many different ways. And on a phone, at least you get to ter- interpret something about pauses and tone of voice, et cetera. But face-to-face, you add to it, you also get to read facial expressions and body language, like whether he's turning away from you, turn- turning you out, or being open and transparent and those kinds of things. And so for better communication, if if you're comfortable doing this, for better communication is when you get an email or a text, and I'm telling you how I would do it. You decide on your own. I'm being repetitive about that. I would say, uh-huh. got, got this and uh, happy to talk about, to you about it. When would you like to talk? And if he just texted back, well, come on, she just give me an answer by text now. Well, you know, I need to think about that more. And I really think I might want to ask you some questions and, and uh, just make sure I understand. So now when would you mm-hmm. like to talk? 
And if he says, well, I'll give you a call. Well, that's not comfortable for me. Then, you know, when you get home, uh, what about after dinner or whatever? You do it sweetly. You do it gently. You don't like, no, you son of a bitch. I'm not going to talk to you unless you come talk to my face. That's not going to work. Okay. Or it mm. will, but it won't work. It won't work well. It'll work against you. And if you do that sure. and, and you're going to have these. Now, if that happens, then you can ask questions like, and you can do it, and don't do it like you turn on the big bright light and you got the rubber hose. Okay, it's like a real conversation, and in this real conversation, you say, "Okay, I got that uh, request to take the kids." Is uh, we typically do those things together? So may I ask, is there a reason that you didn't want me there? And you do it warmly and gently and kindly, not like I'm setting you up for the ambush, buddy. And uh, if he answers honestly, great. If if he doesn't, if he kind of hedges, you go. Now, it's a company picnic, so should I assume that probably she's going to be there? And, and of course, what you're looking for is honesty. And if he ever gets honest, then you can say, let me tell you how I feel about that. You see, our kids are very young, and there's so many things that they won't understand. And can you understand how that it affects my heart, my emotions, my feelings, even my own self-concept, when I know that you're going to have my kids around this other woman who's married to somebody else? And and have my kids with them. Can you understand the great anguish that's going to cause me, the great consternation, how much I'll be worried and all the things I'll be thinking about when, when you guys are gone. And he's either going to say yes or no. And you say, well, if you can understand that about me, then you can understand how that I really don't want them to go. Now you see how much better an answer that is than if you just say, no, they can't go. Even if you were texting, make it work, why not? Well, because other woman's going to be there. Boom, boom. That's too abrupt. And if you can do it face to face where you can have that gentle tone of voice, where you can show your heart, show your mind, then I'm not guaranteeing that won't make him angry. I'm not guaranteeing that won't make him, you know, fire back at you. But I'm saying that, that the odds of truly being understood and actually having a deep, decent conversation where he understands that, particularly when you're saying, I just told you how I feel. Can you understand how I would feel that way? Actually may lead to progress in all kinds of ways. Uh, because if you can never start having those kinds of conversations, what happens is then that uh, in those conversations, you start understanding each other more and better. And, and over the long run, that actually can help you potentially put this marriage back together. Does that make any sense to okay. you whatsoever? Um, it does. It's actually one of the possibilities I was thinking about. I mean, I have like four scenarios, <laughs> but I just, <laughs> I, I mean, a part of me is like I don't want to push him away because mm-hmm. uh, one of his complaints that, uh, well, one of the reasons he said he's having, he had an affair was uh, he, he decided to have an affair is because I'm, uh, I'm controlling. Are you? Um, well, uh, personality-wise, I'm not. But in our marriage, I am because he's not, uh, he just didn't participate that much. Okay. And, and so you've stepped up and you've been controlling. Now, if, if you think that's a valid correct. criticism, if you believe that's a valid criticism, then you need to work on being less controlling. But everything we just talked about, uh, Grace, is not controlling. Because if you say over the, over the text or whatever, no, that comes across as controlling. If you're having this face-to-face mm-hmm. conversation and you're being warm and open and trying to explain what you feel and what you think, that's not controlling. That's communication. Okay. And so... I'm as bright as you sound, it does not surprise me that that's one of the four scenarios you've considered. Um, This is the one I recommend it suggest. 
ultimately you decide. Okay. But that's the one I suggest. I think you can do that very well. You, you sound to me like you're a person that can really do this. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, okay, I mean, great. certainly everything um, with Marriage Helper has given me the tools. I really, really appreciate your work. Wonderful. Thank you. I'm so glad they're being of assistance and help to you, my friend. Thank okay. you. All right. Have you take day. care. Thank you, Grace. Bye. We're going to go to one more call here in, in NE. I'm going to assume that's either the Netherlands or Nebraska. What do you think, Jesse? New England. <laughs> New England? <laughs> no matter what I say, he's going to pick something else. We're going to Emmanuel. Oops. Uh, it was not. Uh, I went to the wrong one. Hang on one second here. Let's go to, where is it? Zach. Zach is in Nebraska. Is that right, Zach? Yes, it is Nebraska. Okay. How may I help you today, my friend? Well, um, I'll just kind of give you the rundown of kind of everything happening in our relationship here. We've been together for uh, about eight years, um, been to married two and a half. Um, I had two um, affairs technically uh, before we were married uh, via a texting app. And uh, she never really kind of forgave me for either of those or never really kind of verbalized that she forgave me for those, even though, you know, I felt terrible about it. Now you call them affairs, um, but you weren't married yet. So you were engaged when this happened. Is that correct? Uh, I was, we were engaged when the second one happened. The first one we were just dating still. Okay. All right. And I'm, I'm just um, practically out of, out of time, almost, almost completely out of time. So can we get kind of hit to the gist here, if you don't mind, my friend? Yep, not a problem. Um, she ended up having an affair here just this last fall. Uh, I found out about it in December. Um, okay. And I, she wanted to work on it at first. Uh, she doesn't want to now. She's filed and everything. Um, I actually had a job opportunity come up about 800 miles away. Um, you know, I still want to stand for my marriage, but I'm not 100% sure, you know, what what things to do from that far away to kind of show her that I still want her to be part of my life. Mm-hmm. It does make it tougher. Mm-hmm. So is yeah. there some particular question, a specific question you have about this, my friend? Um, what are like, what are some of the things like how to, you know, she doesn't like, we still live together now and she says she's seen changes in me, but how do I still communicate to her even after I move? How, uh, how I can still, or how okay. I'm changing and still want her there. So you already accepted the new position and you definitely are going to move? Yes. Yeah. I'm moving with, uh, in about a month. Okay. And if that move costs you your marriage, is that okay with you? I, I think it would be, um, at first it wouldn't know. Like when I first got offered the job about two months ago, I, I didn't think it was gonna gonna be worth it, but kind of I did some coaching with Jared and uh, been working with Aaron, um, and going through I've gone through the ten week course. Uh, this is mm-hmm. my second time through. I'm on week three or four of the ten mm-hmm. week course, and I think I've learned more that like I can be okay even if moving ends up costing me the marriage, but you know. Um, mm-hmm. But what it sounds still like, still wanting is, her to be there. What I'm, what I'm hearing. Tell me if I'm hearing it wrong. You've already accepted the fact that this marriage is over. Is that correct? In a way, yes, but not a hundred percent. But enough that 
if if somehow I had a, a magic way to do this, and of course I don't, this is an illustration, but if somebody had a magic mm-hmm. way to do this, I said, you can have one of two, you can have the marriage or you can have the new job 800 miles away. If that actually could be offered to you just like that, which one would you pick? I would probably pick the marriage, to be honest. Okay. So that tells me that you've given up on the marriage. Now, I'm, I'm not God. I can't read your mind. But what it sounds like right. to me is that that you have given up on your marriage because you would pick your marriage over that new job, but you have picked the new job. So what, yeah. what, percentage, what percentage of giving up have you done, my friend? I would probably say maybe 25%, 20 to 25% given up, you know, because we still have positive interactions, you know, here and there, you know, on most days and everything, you know, and that, mm-hmm. that kind of still gives me that little bit of hope that she still cares. Cause she's, you know, she still says that she loves me, but she said, you know, even if, even if things were completely perfect, she wouldn't want to move that far. And I kind of understood that, but you know, it's like, I have a, this is a better opportunity to kind of further my career and make more money while I'm at it too. So, so Zach, and I'm not trying to be mean at all. I'm just trying to help you look at things for the different set of eyes. You pretty well mm-hmm. have made your decision. I mean, you've made your decision that I'm going to move there. Even if it decreases the likelihood I can save my marriage. That's what you have decided, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, when you get there, if you want to still try to save your marriage, you understand that the odds against putting it back together have just increased dramatically. One is because of the fact that she told you she doesn't want to go over there. Another is because of the fact that these things we talk about, the pies, the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, the closer you have a proximity to each other, the easier they are to demonstrate. And so, for example, right. you may have heard us talk about when people are living in the same house and they say, well, should I go ahead and throw my spouse out? Our answer is if you're making any kind of progress and you can handle the the discord in your heart, the pain, if you can handle, uh, if you're making progress, then we would recommend your, your, your choice, but we would recommend that you let the person stay in the house because with proximity, you have more possibility with the pies and all those kinds of things being the safe place, everything we talk about working. And then if they say, well, the mm-hmm. spouse is out of the house, but still in the same town, okay, it becomes a little bit more difficult because, and if they say, okay, I'm going to move away to a different place, well, then it becomes even that much more difficult. So it doesn't mean you stop working on the pies and trying to be the same place, but it does mean that you have uh, increased the difficulty of, of potentially putting this back together. Do you have children? Uh, no, we do not. We're we're 25 and 24. We're still fairly young. Yeah, you're you're not just fairly young. From my van, uh, van point, <laughs> <laughs> you're very young. Uh, if only I'd be 25 again, I'd just make a whole se- different set of mistakes this time. But but <laughs> but if you're going to move, my friend, you've just made it a lot tougher. I still say do the very same things we teach. You know, the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, be the safe place, etc. But accept the fact, Zach. That if you're living someplace else, because really your choice was kind of hard. Either I give up this great opportunity and hope to get my marriage, which may not make it. And if it doesn't make it, how mad am I going to be? How upset, how disappointed that I didn't take the opportunity? Or I'm going to take the opportunity. Well, then how mad or upset or disappointed will you be if the marriage doesn't make it? And what I've heard you say Mm -hmm. is you would be more disappointed at losing the job, even though you want the marriage to make it. That's what it sounds like you're saying. Is that correct? 
Yeah. Yep. That that's kind of what I that that's the probably the word that I was kind of looking for to kind of really get yeah. it in my head that. Yeah. Well, I hope things go well for you, my friend. I'm really you know, because I I'd love to see marriages put back together. I hope that even after you move, somehow that can happen. But it's going to be a lot tougher, a lot less likely to occur. But you've made those decisions, and so if you're just calling to say, "Hey, am I thinking right?" Well, I can't tell you how to think. I'm just saying that I, all I can do is help you clarify what you decided. And I think we just did that, right? Yes. Yeah. That it it's definitely cleared up in my head, kind of more more along the mm-hmm. lines of what I decided there. Yeah. Well, have uh, I hope your life goes well for you, my friend. I really do. Thank you, Dr. Bean. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Now, typically we would end the program now because I'm totally out of time, but I clicked in on a manual a minute ago and then left him and I feel obligated to go, hey, a manual over in Texas, can you hear me? Yes, Joe Beam. How are you? I'm doing well. Now, unfortunately, I've got like five minutes and they're going to throw me off the air. So how may I help you, Emmanuel? Five minutes is all we need, Joe Beam. The only thing I can just ask you, by your experience and your knowledge, and a percentage of your workshops, I'm in a 10-year marriage. We're going mm-hmm. through a divorce. She just recently mm-hmm. moved out. We have three kids that she took to her mother's. I'm, uh. in a, I'm in a situation where my pie is, is lingering up and down, but I mm-hmm. pushed the, the behaviors too much. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we're kind of going through the separation is because I pushed the boundaries. For 10 years of marriage, now she's saying she just doesn't love me anymore. She doesn't have any feelings. And just my attitude and anger issues got to be addressed. We're working on mm-hmm. progress within two months, but now how is that going to how is that going to show or improve or see on her behalf when she's just saying just focus on the kids? By your knowledge and experience, Doctor Joe, okay. what do you see? Okay. What do you think? Well, Emmanuel, the first thing I'd say is that when you work on the pies, the pies should not have a negative effect on anybody else. The pies, if done the way we're talking about pies. Pies shouldn't be seen as a push behavior because Pies says you physically take care of yourself the best that you can possibly be. Under the eye, intellectual, you take care of your mind. You, you keep it focused and growing under the emotional. You become a better person to be around. You become a person who begins to understand the emotions of others, understands your own emotions, and that when you do things, you eliminate doing things that evoke negative emotions in other people and that you do things that only evoke positive emotions in other people. And even in the spiritual that you just live by your beliefs and values. Now, really all of that is here. It's like, I'm becoming the best me I can be. And it's hard for me to understand how that would actually be a push behavior on the other person. Now, sometimes they may say that's a push behavior, but it's not. They're saying it because of the fact that you're actually becoming a better person than you were you know, physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, and, and it makes them mad because they've, they've already made up their minds they want to go, and now that you're beginning to do things that make yourself more attractive, and it kind of ticks them off, okay? But, but it doesn't mean it's actually a push behavior. They're having a negative reaction to something that's very positive. And what we often see is that that initial negative reaction, if they, if, if they react negatively to you doing the pies, that negative reaction goes away with time and they become much more interested in your physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual development. Like, wow, that's amazing. So 
I wouldn't call that a push behavior. Working on your past is not a push behavior. The other thing that we teach on the course where we say, okay, you become the safe place. You be the person that they can talk to, that, that you can listen and understand. And you're not throwing the things back in their faces. You're not arguing. You're not trying to convince them they're wrong. You're not trying to use your logic to overcome their emotions. In other words, a safe place is when you're really just trying to understand what the other person feels and accept the fact that he or she feels that way, even if, even if you don't like what they feel. I can accept the fact that you feel that way because it's true. If, if uh, Alice, my wife, were to say to me, I'm in love with Charlie, that would kill me. But if I'm going to be dealing in reality, I still accept the fact that that's the way she feels. And if she knows I'm accepting, the, accepting that she feels that way, meaning I'm not denying it. I'm not claiming you just think you love him, but you really don't. It opens up more communication between the two of us. And so all of those kinds of things should work to your advantage. And so my recommendation is, my friend, that you keep doing those things. And if you indeed have had some anger problems, there are people out there that can actually help you deal with that anger and get over that. So in your mind, ask yourself this question every time. Is what I'm about to do actually some way I'm trying to control her? Or is what I'm about to do actually being the best person I can be? And, and if you can just ask yourself that question and get an honest answer before you do it, then almost all push behaviors go away and, and you become more and more attractive. I'm so sorry that this is happening to you. And remember, you do them whether she finds you attractive or not. You do them for you. But one of the things yeah, that will. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm still trying to find a way to try to convince her to go to the workshop. I mentioned it in the past, but I'm still trying to find a way, not push it, not throw it, and not kind of still lay it on the table. But okay. it's just going to be something that is going to be difficult for me to work on. So hopefully I can I get it. to Brock and oh. see more of your, mm-hmm. your videos. Well, thank you. How two, su- two suggestions on the workshop. Suggestion number one, and they're killing me because I'm out of time. Suggestion number one is ask, if you ask, ask it for you. I'm asking you to do this so I can learn. And I realize you may never come back and, and I, you know, that will break my heart, but I need to understand how I got to where I got to and how I did this and, and what happened to us. And so would you go just for me? That's one way. The second way is sometimes if you have something to trade, like if she's saying, I really want this, you can say, I'm really wanting you to have that, but let's, let's be uh, adults about this and let's do a trade. I'll make sure you get that if you will do this one thing for me. And remember that in the workshop, they don't twist people's arms. They don't try to manipulate people to stay married. It's their goal, but they do it with full respect for whatever you feel, whatever you think, whatever you choose. And so they will never, ever make it a bad experience for you. And that their statistics are that 99% of the people that go to the workshop actually recommend it to others, even though only three out of four couples that go to the workshop save their marriages. 99% of people actually refer it to others. And so those two different kinds of ideas. I'm so sorry, Manuel. I have to move out. Uh, thank you for talking with me. All and, right. And thank you so much. Hang in there, my thank friend. Thank you. Thank You're you. very welcome, Manuel. Thank you. you thank good day. All right. And so... The rest of you guys understand we have a lot of good things out here for you. If you go to if you go to YouTube.com, am I right about this, Jesse? I think you put it on the screen a minute ago. There it goes. YouTube.com slash marriage helper, all one word. You can find all kinds of videos that we've done out there. And Jesse and I are going to be making two or three more this week, actually. He's looking at me like, 
you're lying because you always tell me that and you make one. We're going to try to make two or three more this week to go on there, and we constantly update that. And if you're on a, in our online course, we are regularly adding new videos there in our bonus pages. Be sure to look for those. And if you would like to just talk to one of our client representatives, they are not a hotline. They're not counselors and therapists that do hotline. They help you understand. No, they first listen to understand your situation, and then they help guide you to the best resource for you. And you can do that by calling our 800 number at 866 866- Nine zero three zero nine nine zero. Thank you for being with us. Look forward to talking to you next Monday.